we looking at tonight? Is it really a 907 first pitch? Be honest, how long are you gonna make it through that game? With your warm glass of milk and your your warm socks on and your nightgown, what are you gonna be? Well, how long are you gonna make it through that game? Uh, Manoa's pitching. Uh, It'd be a quick uh, game, uh, but how long are you gonna make it through it? I'll hang into the end. You go. You gonna get it? You gonna make? I'll hang into the end. Or is it Jason thirty? No, it's not Jason thirty. No, it'll be nine oh seven. I can do. You can do that. It's the ten oh seven. That's ten oh seven. That's that's a little. That's that cuts into my reading time. Does it? Yeah. Is there is there a good book you're you're doing now or like are you in the uh, yeah how do you hit how do you go the other way no I do not read how do you how, I, do, you, how I, do you make trades at the deadline I don't read sports books <laughs> no no uh no sorry I I just don't so you're you're not going to tell me what it, what the book is Re- not this book a book yeah I'm reading a book in the this is good I'm reading a book in the history of the BBC. Sounds exciting, hey? It is. So you'll be done by the third inning. You'll be... <clears throat> Anyhow. Really? Yeah. Hey. No, I'll, I'll hang in. I'll hang in. That's... 907 is doable. 907 is doable. Mm. I know this guy's going to hate... This guy's got no choice. Let's bring in Ben Wagner. Blue Jays radio play-by-play guy. He's looking forward to some. No, he's laughing he, at your book. He's That's looking, what he's, he's looking at. forward to some late-night baseball from <laughs> Oakland. Hey, the Jays bullpen going toe-to-toe with the A's bullpen. What more could you ask for? Ooh. Ben, Boston, Tampa, Toronto. Are all three going to make the postseason? Will two of them make the postseason? And right now, Right now, if you had to bet your golf cart Ooh. on it. Oh, oh man. Don't you had it. to bet your golf this is cart a personal bet. with the, with the Indianapolis Colts logo on it that Mrs. Wagner has decorated for the 4th of July, I might add, right? Who of those teams makes it or doesn't make it? <clears throat> You're saying all three from the East. Yeah. Leave aside Red the Sox, Yankees. Blue Jays. Raised and raised right now. I mean, things can change, but right now, who doesn't make oh, it? Right now, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. They all make yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. The yep, the way things are going. Yep. Okay. I I can say that. I had that feeling even going into the regular season, to be honest with you, because uh, the central to me is just weird, and no, nobody ever really pushes the envelope in the central. White Sox underperforming. What are Cleveland? Cleveland didn't appear to be like they wanted to position themselves to make a real big run at this thing. Uh, certainly Minnesota mm. is out there on the fray, but uh, it's a unique cluster of teams looking at how the wild card is stacking up right now. Uh, but I just, I think the, the Blue Jays are in the best position to secure that spot and move forward through the rest of the summer, let alone, I think Boston's going to have to do something, right? Boston's yeah. going to have to do something. But uh, but I think that's going to seal the deal for those two clubs. Big, and then the Rays are going to do race things. Yeah, I was just going to jump in. I, mean, my, I looked at this thing. I looked at it this way. I, I, the Red Sox, I think, have room to improve internally because they will get sailed back. Garrett Whitlock goes into the bullpen. That, that automatically makes them better. The Rays are the Rays. Um, you know, they, they, they haven't 
I mean, they haven't hit much this year. They haven't played good defense. Wander Franco's back. they healthy, yada, yada. There, there could be some internal improvement there. I look at the Jays and I ask myself, where is the internal improvement going to come from with this team? Well, that's, that's what concerns me. That is my number one question. And, you know, I said that on Sports Central too. Is the Blue Jays pitching situation right now was completely exposed and very depleted just in the pocket of play against the Tampa Bay Rays through the weekend. When the emergency, <clears throat> excuse me, when the emergency moments of, uh-oh, what are we going to do? It's like, uh-oh, what do we have exactly. in those situations? Right. So, you know, because Casey Lawrence has held his own at AAA, and he's, you know, he's a solid veteran. He is, he's going to do what he's going to do. Uh, Thomas Hatch has been incredibly inconsistent when he's been in the major leagues, and the numbers and the people that I talk with within the organization say that same inconsistency is there even when he's at AAA. So he's not reliable. That's not a reliable piece that you can go down and you can pluck every three or four days. Uh, you know, I look at the bigger picture, too, right now at AAA, where you usually have a core of six-year minor league free agents, you know, guys that have kind of been through the wars and, and understand kind of the business of the game, too, and the nature of the shuttle. The, the, that doesn't exist right now. They have no depth within the organization, guys that are good and stretched out. Anthony Kay is on the active roster, but he's just coming back off the injured list. Um, you know, AAA Buffalo is piecemealing together mm-hmm. their rotation, or at least a starter, every night, just like the Blue Jays had had to cobble it together over the last couple of days. But but the bullpen obviously is on fumes, and there are greater concerns with the bullpen right now because of the amount of high leverage situations that they have been cast in. And outside a handful of guys that are trusted, that's really where it stops right now because you're getting, uh, you, you got guys running on fumes, you're getting inconsistent production even from guys that who were trusted earlier in the year let alone last year like Tim Meza you know Tim Timmy's having trouble with that fastball right now he looks healthy but he just isn't executing as well as what he had and he's fighting it he's fighting it like a lot of guys right now Ben explain to me why all the things you just mentioned which you t- tell you they have no depth whatsoever right this is a contending team who wants to win the world series and they don't have any depth uh, is there is there a time where I think the organization, and, and this includes Ross, has to stop being shy about what they want to, are willing to give up when it comes to taking their team to a whole different level. That means top prospects. I mean, yeah, it means denting the top prospects and whether or not they're in A ball or even on the upper levels. Mm-hmm. We know the names that kind of circle around and the teams want to check in on, right? Like the Groden, Gr- Jordan Groshans of the world. That name is always one that's floating in there. Uh, the fact that Nate Pearson is injured, you know, for a significant amount of time, that's obviously a huge upper level piece that might not be as inviting and help you on the return. So the time to be shy is, is past. The Blue Jays are in a position right now where it's threads, threads holding this thing together, and it might be time sooner rather than later to make a move. But I look back to last year when there were dire needs and beyond even the Band-Aids, the Blue Jays had some aggressiveness. They they understood the needs. They understood where they were in the pocket of the schedule, and they went out and they made some acquisitions, and they gave up some unique pieces to, to do that. And guys shuttled off the Major League roster, and they looked at it like Rowdy Telez is a really good example. Uh, so... Yes, the, for me, I'm looking at this and looking beyond how to get to the All-Star break, beyond the All-Star break where they can catch their breath and reshuffle things. But to me, 
the move has to happen, moves have to happen sooner rather than later. Yeah, I, I like, you know, I understand getting Sergio Romo and Anthony Banda in, you know, clearly, clearly Ross is not satisfied with the bullpen. That goes without saying. But I am a little surprised we haven't seen a Trevor Richards type of a deal or an Adam Simber deal. Not not necessarily getting pitchers like them, but, you know, getting guys off, getting guys off, uh, off a major league roster that can come right. in and, and, and help immediately as opposed to flyers, which essentially is what Sergio Romo and, and Anthony Banda are. And that does confuse me a bit because, you know, the Jays, I thought Mark Shapiro was, was pretty clear in the offseason that this year is about finding that extra win to go to the playoffs. And I, I find it surprising that, to, to date at least, the Jays have been less aggressive than they were last year where I don't think expectations were that high. And I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's – look, it takes two to tango. Maybe that's just something about the market. I mean, it's not like there have been a ton of trades right now. But, man, I'll, I'll look at this organization and, and its pitching depth, Ben, and one of the points I've made with Kevin all along is – you are going to have to, we know that you are going to have to make a deal or sign a free agent pitcher in the offseason. You are going to have to do that. That's just the way it is. If you can get that guy in now, that helps you next year as well, a Burrios type of a deal, then you know maybe you go ahead and do that. Because you're going to have to do it eventually, and you might as well do it now. And if you have to pay a premium for it in terms of picking up some money or, you know, giving away a, a higher-ranked prospect than you want? I, I mean, I think you have to do it. I think they have to do it. I think they will do it. I think that it's just not prospect capital that the Blue Jays are willing to do. I think that they're willing to take on money to get a deal done and, and make sure that it's secured and take it the next step. Jose Barrios' model is a really, really good one. Uh, I, you know the premium is going to be astronomical right now for the organization, whether it's prospects and money, whether it's just the, the amount of cash that you can get. But it also has to be a guy that they want to fit in here. You know, It's got to be the right guy if they're going to take on the dollars and the years of somebody's contract to get that done. Uh, that's where I think the Blue Jays will be very cautious and, and that's going to take some time, you know, and they're going to look at a lot. And talking with people within the organization, too, those conversations are certainly having. And they're happening right now at a pretty, pretty aggressive rate when you're looking at how to do this. And not to discount anything that Sergio Romo and Anthony Bonda could provide this ball club in the next, you know, 10 days. This is Band-Aid work right now. Mm-hmm. This is Band-Aid work to get you to the All-Star break, and I think that's where the reset for the Blue Jays will happen. And there might be some mid- mid-level deals, just like the Trevor Richards and the um, Adam Simber deals of last year. That's the next step, right, when you evaluate the level of trades. That's where the Blue Jays have to get to and, and find those guys. They have to identify those guys and, and pull the deal off. Uh, I'm I'm with you, knowing the injury situation of the Blue Jays. Like Hyunjin Ryu is n- uh, like a non-topic for me, mm-hmm. even into next year. That's just not going to be a topic. So that's something that we all know the Blue Jays will have to address, and it would be great to address it with an aggressive step for that clubhouse right now. Try to get things back on track if you be, if you are able to find and build around a frontline starter that you can bring into the clubhouse. And man, I I just remember the feeling around the ball club when Jose Barrios walked in last year, mm-hmm. and that was a huge shot in the arm for the Toronto Blue Jays. It was a lot of energy around that. 
And not to, not to say that that can't happen again, because it certainly can. I just don't think the Blue Jays can afford to wait as deep into the baseball calendar as they did last year. Speaking of Barrios, do you see anything from him that would tell you he's turning the corner? Well, he's open to change, and I like that. And I, I thought the life was back on the sinker a little bit better than his last time out. I like that he shifted on the mound. I noticed that right away. He went back to the third base side of the mound um, because he was missing down and away so much, and he's trying to get on top of that curveball, so make that a much more effective pitch. Um, you know, the sinker had the life. The changeup is going to be a good pitch for him, but it's only how harnesses that curveball again. Uh, that's going to be the missing piece here to his ultimate success and what's going to get him deep into ball games too well uh, that's the bottom line uh so i'm really interested to see if he continues to progress in that nature and whether or not he's able to find that that grip that feel whatever is missing for that curveball um but but the good news is he's still throwing strikes and if he can throw at least some some quality strikes not just strikes but quality strikes he's trending in the right direction Ben, uh, let's uh, talk a little bit. I want to shift to a little bit of a, a positive tone here as well, and not just with Jose Barrios. But Kevin uh, Biggio has sort of very quietly taken advantage of the opportunity that, that has been presented him by the Blue Jays. And we're not you – know, it, it, it's interesting how six weeks ago we were kind of wondering whether or not Kevin Biggio has a place on a, on a contending team. That, you know, was he good enough to be that player? And you look at him now, and he's he's found a home at, at at the bottom of the order. He's you know doing what he does in in the field defensively. He, I mean, he'll still drive you nuts every now and then with it, with an at bat. But by and large, it, it I almost get the impression he's put himself back in the picture here, hasn't he? Oh, without a doubt. I talked to Kevin at the cage the other day, and I said, "Give me some turning points." You know, over the course of the last couple of weeks, one, when he came back off the COVID IL, his body was really fatigued, like mm. really fatigued. So he feels healthy and he's also physically better than what he even was with that with that back issue. That's a big one. And another thing is he went to Buffalo and he got a number of bats in, in less pressure situations and it, it got him back in rhythm. And confident when he came to the big leagues because he tried to make a change through spring training and it was accelerated and maybe didn't get the at-bats that he was hoping to get and then didn't feel on time and as comfortable with the toe tap that he had at the plate earlier. He scrapped that, did a complete reset, came back. And it's all coming together. It's all coming together right now. And he's the patient at bat that we have been talking about for years with Kevin. But now he's getting around on the baseball a little bit better. There are a couple of mechanical tweaks as well. His approach is certainly much better. And he's not taking too many borderline pitches. And there has been, you know, a conversation about him being a little bit more aggressive and just trying to flip that card over. And, woo, you know, that conversation as well. Mm-hmm. makes the Blue Jays lineup a lot different when you get into 7, 8, and 9. And right now, it's a pretty deep lineup when you've got Kevin at that number 9 spot. Yeah, I wonder how hard it would be just well, when it comes to depth to try and trade him. You look at a big league team, if you want to trade one of your prospects and a big leaguer, some teams might be calling about Kevin, all the reasons you just mentioned. And I wonder if the Blue Jays could afford to trade him with Vladdy going through Vladdy things and needing some DH days and Santiago Esmond all the grind, needing some days off, the left fielder needing some days off, the right fielder needing some days off. I just wonder if they could afford to trade him. Well, right now, I'd say the answer is no, Mm -hmm. because the backup plan can't be Bradley Zimmer, I mean, because that's an outfielder and you're getting 
essentially nothing at the plate from Bradley Zimmer. Otto Lopez is a recent death piece that they brought up, and I don't know that that is going to be the case either. You know, we, I mentioned Jordan Groshans earlier, and and he's kind of been bumping around and working out in different positions around. Is that the new Kevin Vicio? But again, Kevin Vicio is helping this ball club win games. He's at the plate. He's putting the ball in play. He's getting base hits. He's getting on base. Per, uh, you know, and he plays solid, and he plays all over the place. I think that he's ex- he's going to be one of those guys that certainly the phone's going to ring about, and he's he's very serviceable for any organization. Forget a contender or wherever you would flip him because of his versatility. And he plays solid, you know, like. You don't walk away watching Kevin Biggio and, and, you know, cringe when he plays first base. You never have a play in the outfield where you cringe and when he's in the outfield and think, oh, no, this is just, you know, out of position for him. You know, he, he's a ball player. He goes out there. He loves playing all the positions. He works extremely hard at it. And uh, he's definitely uh, one of those pieces. If you think big league roster to big league roster, <clears throat> he can be that guy. Uh, last question. For us before we let you run Alec Manoa gets to start tonight against Cole Irvin you know we've talked about Alec Manoa by the trade or sorry by the trade deadline by the all-star break he will probably or could conceivably at least have pitched more innings than he did last year it's going to be close uh, I know that there I mean anytime anybody talks to Ross that the topic kind of comes up about what is you know, what will be his limit this year? Do you think the organization has an idea of a limit for Alec Manoa? They don't have to tell us that, obviously. Or do you think they really are, uh, Ben? They're just going to, you know, they're going to they're gonna let this guy have a have a say in, in, in kind of how often he pitches and, and how far this goes. Because those innings are going to add up. Those innings are going to add up. But, man, he has proved to be so durable and, and so consistent and give the Blue Jays an opportunity to win. And that's what they need more than anything right now. And that would be just a very tough sell to say, here's your here's one of two really big guys in your mm-hmm. rotation that go out there and you feel like you're walking in with moxie every day you're coming to the ballpark. And, and certainly, Alec Manoa is not lacking in any of that. That would be a really difficult conversation to have. And I think the organization and their projections and all this other stuff, you know, in the, in the sports science and the data, absolutely have some sort of mold around Alec Manoa's season. But you can't script the season. No, uh, right, you, right. You know, and, and if you, you need wins, and this is a season that the Blue Jays are pushing for it, Alec Manoa is going to be right at the, the head of this, this train coming down the tracks. And to me, that, that kind of throws out what the conversations are in February and March right. and rolling out, you know, this many starts, this many innings, this, this much of a workload. That's, that kind of has to go out the window when you're in dire straits. And, you know, the Blue Jays are in a really good position of the rest of the way here. And it's not dire, but it can, it can certainly unravel real quick. And you, you just cannot have another big weekend like the Blue Jays had, uh, you know, where you're we're trying to piece this thing together and you got Alec Manoa sitting on the sidelines. Ben, really good of you to do Thanks, this. Ben. Thanks so much. Get a nap before the uh, games. Two naps. You bet. Two naps. I, I will. <laughs> Take care. <laughs> Load up the coffee machine before you guys leave, by the way. We no will problem. do that. Take care. See you guys. Thanks, man. That's Ben Wagner, Blue Jays radio voice on Sportsnet. 9.07 tonight is the first pitch. Jordan Romano. We never see him. I'd say that's the million dollar question. I, I I don't. There's there's some things that that we me and you have answers for. I'm not exactly sure 
that we have answers to that. I, I know you've heard rumblings of tipping pitches. I, we've heard mechanical issues. I just find, <laughs> I find it hard and to also, believe. And also, let's but let's also just say that that the 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 team has played games that don't necessarily guess, lend itself. I to, guess, but he is the best arm you have closing. in the bullpen. Sometimes you got to go outside yeah. the box. And I wondered you about that. Got to walk that. up to a guy and say, "Hey, I know you're our closer, and you're you're you only can pitch the ninth inning, but we sort of need you." We, we, we're going to need you occasionally to keep the other team from scoring a run or two, maybe in the seventh inning. Do you think you could do it? It's just odd that we, we haven't seen him. And then we see him throwing lollipop bullpens in the ninth inning of a blowout game. I, you understand? I just don't get it. I, there's sometimes the only way you learn things is to actually go out and do it and apply it. He pitched uh, back-to-back against the Boston Red Sox in the 28th, 29th. The Jays just finished a five-game series with the Rays. We did not see their best arm out of the bullpen, Jordan Romano. This month, he has pitched a total of... seven and two-thirds innings. That's crazy. He has faced a total of... 33 batters this month. I mean, now he's throwing, he, he, he said this month he's had 16 pitch outing, 18 pitch, 10 pitch, 28, 23, 17, 25. Three of his last four outings have been 20, 20 plus pitches. Um, it's far enough to season. That shouldn't matter. You should be able to make adjustments between the times you're throwing you know, take take a little off your routine to to figure out how to get the best out of Jordan Romano. I just don't I don't have an answer for that. Maybe he can only mentally pitch in one inning. I it's seven, I hope that's not it. He had seven saves between April eighth and April twenty first. He's got ten since April twenty first. I mean, some, know, sometimes with the, all the arms that you're seeing, that's not quite frankly not real good arms, and the best arm that you have. I think we saw him one time in the 10th inning pitch. So he did go outside the box a little, and I think it was a tie game, and pitched the 10th inning because they really didn't have anybody, and it looked like he was coming back out for the 11th inning, if I'm mm-hmm. not mistaken. Okay, for me, sometimes you got to go outside the box. you got to do things that you're not used to doing until you get better in here to where it gets back to normal, where you're pitching that guy in only one inning. I just it's got to be more than what we don't know. They're very, they're very quiet about your Romano. They're like, there's not, you know, I, 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 I pride myself on knowing some answers to some certain things that other people don't know. It's hard to get anything Boy, out of them. It's Jordan like, Romano. it's like, it's just, you, well, that's in a vault. It's locked up and there's only like a half a person that knows the code to that. <laughs> so your guess is as good as mine. I, I don't know. You would just think it'd be nice to see 98 occasionally. Yeah, it, and, it, and, is, it is puzzling. I and, and the only reason I throw that out there is it's possible that, you know, because I just finished saying that I think you should be able to pull, you know, you should be able to put together a bullpen without having to make a major, major transaction. I mean, it's, it's possible that this, I, I just wonder, does this organization look at what it has right now and go, you know, we, we don't have our, I mean, we don't have our closer. We have a guy who can close games for us, who has so far, but we don't have our closer. I, just, I find it very suspicious that 
that in July, on July 3rd, a dude is throwing in the bullpen. And I get you've only got so many people say you've only got so many bullets, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I find it very odd that somehow the Jays haven't, didn't get him into one of those games. In five games against the, uh, one of your rivals in the American League East. No, I understand. And your he, best he, pitcher doesn't throw. I maybe, okay. he's, maybe those two games against Boston, okay, maybe he misses the first game. Maybe. But, wow, I got Boston-Tampa coming in. I'm at home. I, uh, you Even know, if it's not a safe situation, you still don't want to throw your best arm yeah, I, to keep the game close. I, just puzzling. Well, it, it, it is. It's it, the mystery. <laughs> it, it's puzzling, uh, to say the least. Um, hey, listen, uh, we would be re- remiss. We, uh, Kevin and I talked about this on uh, Blue Jays Talk yesterday. And um, I know that Ben talked about it on his broadcast and certainly uh, Dan Schulman and, and, and Joe Siddle uh, talked about it yesterday. But uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't uh, extend our condolences and our thoughts and prayers to Mark Budzinski, the Jays, First base coach, you know by now, of course, that uh, Mark has left the team as a result of the passing away of his of his eldest daughter, um, and and uh, you know the the Jays. I think you saw the the moment of silence the Jays had uh, for Julia Budzinski. You know there were some there were some players, there were some folks tearing up, and and I made the point on on Blue Jays talk yesterday that you got to understand how much time people spend together when they're on a team, especially on a coaching staff. And it doesn't matter whether or not everybody's best friends, but everybody knows something about the other person's family. Cause you're traveling together you're in the plane together you're in the bus together. You have coffee in the hotel together. Maybe you go out for dinner and, um, and baseball is, man, it's a big family. I don't know if you, saw what AJ Hinch said yesterday about about Mark Budzinski. They were they were roommates. And there's a lot of people around the game, not not just with the Blue Jays, but a lot of people around the game were thinking about and are thinking about Mark Budzinski and his family. And Kevin, you know him you've known him for a long, long time. I, I have since nineteen ninety nine. He he was in the, the Cleveland organization in AAA in Buffalo. I was in Louisville with the uh, with the Brewers and that's where I met Mark. I've known Mark for a very long time. Just to tell you what kind of man he is. I text him this morning. Did was not planning on having a, a text returned to me because that was not the point. I just wanted to reach to tell out, him, and yeah, let him tell know him that, that I loved him and I was thinking about him and his family and I can't imagine what he's going through and it, et cetera, et cetera. And he actually texts me back, thanking me. I, I, yeah, it's um, it was a. I said it's a uh, it's it's been a rough it's been a rough couple of days for uh, for people around the organization. What he's going through, I no, I I I don't think anybody can. Um, And uh, you know, as as we said, the Jays uh, have requested, and and the uh, Budzinski family has requested that people, uh, you know, respect their privacy at this time. And and obviously, obviously, everybody's going to do that. But I just think it's important to uh, whatever platform we're on, whatever opportunity we get. To uh, to let Mark know and to let his friends know, to let his family know, to let anybody who's run into him, to let the team know that uh, we know that a lot of people are hurting right now and that they are very much in our thoughts and prayers. And um, yeah, just uh, 
wanted to say that. Well said. Vince Catronio is the Oakland A's broadcaster. Their play-by-play voice, the Jays start a three-game series in Oakland against the A's tonight. Vince Catronio joins us next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Nine oh seven is first pitch tonight. Alec Manoa on the mound against Cole Irvin. You can catch the game on Sportsnet 590, the fan in Sportsnet. You say Kikuchi and uh, Jose Barrios scheduled to uh, tow the rubber the rest of the series. Then it's off to Seattle. The Jays' second home. And maybe they'll get some sort of energy, right, in Seattle. Because it always seems as if there's a, ton of, there's a ton of Canadian fans that come down there. And, and, and they're all, it always seems to have this kind of buoyant uh, buoyant effect. Good play gives you energy, Jeff. That's what a good teammate is. Well, I've told you this, and I'll continue to tell. Every, every time I'm in a clubhouse, everybody talks about you need a nice guy. No, you don't. You need a guy that knows how to run the bases. You need a guy that can score from first. That's a good teammate. You need good players. And then you figure it out. That's just me. My two cents on that. So you end up by the energy thing. Yeah, it, it, all, it all plays together. Right. Like it is, you play good, you have good starting pitching, you, your team looks unbelievable when you don't, and then everything just sort of looks like blah, and nobody wants to pay attention to it. So, yeah. The Oakland Athletics uh, are rebuilding. I, I think they made that pretty clear in the offseason with, uh, with the moves they made. Um, and they're also, you know, we're led to believe, taking steps towards rebuilding off the field as well. They appear to be getting some. They, they appear to be getting some movement finally on, on, on a new ballpark. They need one. In Oakland. Uh, Vince Catronio is the Oakland A's play-by-play voice, and he joins us on Blair and Barker. Vince, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself. Before we, we, we talk about the A's in particular, could, could you give us just a little update on the, the ballpark uh, scenario with Oakland? Because that's... You know, long term, in in a perfect world, if you're the A's, this rebuild results in something that kind of blossoms at the same time that you're starting construction on a new ballpark. Do you think we might be near that that point? Well, good morning, Jeff. Good morning, Kevin. I'm I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, I've been with the club 17 years, and you could have asked me this question on 2000, you know, in 2006, and I probably would have close to the same answer. Although. The A's are closer than they've ever been to actually getting a new ballpark in the, you know, in Oakland, in the area known as Howard Terrell, which is right on the water. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, there's still several hurdles they've got to get over in order for that to happen. Now, this week, this past week, Port Authority agreed to basically open the land up for construction, which would open for a stadium and then the other parts of a was a $12 billion project, which has started with the stadium, then, you know, housing and entertainment. Mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, other areas that, that places like the Battery have in Atlanta, which is right behind Wright Field, which is right. an opportunity for any ownership that, you know, puts the money up front to build a stadium, which the A's are doing, 
But you've got to find a way to recoup the dollars uh, of your outlay. And part of that is, you know, being in what's considered a new tax district, which wouldn't exist unless there's construction done in this area. So that's how they that's how the A's presented. There's no additional new taxes for anybody. Uh, this there are no taxes on the, on the public. This is not a case of uh, you know your the, the city is subsidizing this. I mean there are infrastructure deals that are going back and forth now and making those decisions on housing, et cetera, and, and roads and whatnot and parks that they want as part of this project. The next step is early September where the city council will get together and have an open discussion, and that's the next big thing. Uh, the city commission has to vote on this to make it a binding agreement. And if they do, then you feel like you are really, you know, you're rounding third Mm -hmm. for the first time and being waved home. The other side of that also is that there are three lawsuits that are pending. Mm -hmm. And in California, in California, they passed a law several years ago that if you're going to, you know, sue somebody for a construction project, which in in case was done in a part done after the Petco Park disaster where one particular uh, resident was suing them constantly, where it dragged out the project for two years. You have nine months to adjudicate those those uh, lawsuits, and those were filed in March, the last day they could be filed. So by the end of the calendar year, if the A's get a, a vote from the city council and their city commission, and they get you know, they win these three lawsuits, then you're then you're clear for takeoff. And you know, what happens next uh, remains to be seen. But you know the city council, some members in this very political process, are trying to slow play it, trying to get it onto a November ballot for the for the uh, you know for the Oakland community to vote on this. Which is why, which is unusual because city commissions pay to vote on projects. I mean, that's their job. And there are some that are against it, and there are some that are fighting it. Not, you know, not as much. The mayor's 100% behind it, but the mayor's term ends in January, and part of their strategy may be to try to slow play this long enough to where that there's a new mayor that's not as supportive, and consequently, then there's more challenges to put this together. So, yes, they're closer but they've still got a ways to go. Fingers crossed that that happens because baseball needs Oakland to get a, a new stadium. Vince, I'm sure that whenever the team is rebuilding like Oakland is, that your job has sort of changed, and now you're looking at big picture and, and depth like we are with the Blue Jays. We're always looking at pitchers coming up, and do the Blue Jays have enough depth to make a run at this? Does Oakland have anything coming that fans should look forward to, be excited about seeing the next little wave that when all this thing comes to fruition, that they got certain players to look forward to? Well, I mean, I'll tell you this, Kevin, this is not a rebuild. I mean, that's an inaccurate statement. This is simply ownership making a financial decision to cut payroll in half. All those okay. players, if they, if they stayed with the athletics, Chris Bassett, Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, Sean Maniah, all who were traded in spring training, the ace payroll would still be under $100 million. Mm. Uh, but ownership decided in part because they're, they're focusing so hard on the stadium. And if it does go well, it would be 2027. Uh, that they would move into a new facility, uh, that, that they made the decision that they simply want to cut this. So, uh, you know, the A's were put in a scenario where they had to, you know, with the crunch, you know, with, you know, the lockout and then suddenly <clears throat> fast and furious for teams to, to acquire free agents or make trades, the A's had to do some things in a short amount of time. And, and I think they feel like uh, as far as the trade with the Atlanta Braves, uh, they feel good about that with the players they got back with, with Toronto uh, it's still, you know, work in progress. Connor Hoagland has not thrown a pitch yet, you know, in a professional game. He's coming back from Tommy John, the former number one pick of a year ago. He'll throw a pitch next month. But uh, to, there are young pitchers that they acquired, former number one picks of organizations like the Blue Jays, like the Mets, uh, like the Braves. Uh, they've got a good young catcher that's probably the closest to the big league named Shea Langoliers is playing pretty well at AAA Las Vegas. You know, they hope for Kevin Smith. You know, Kevin was with the club in Toronto. 
Uh, and he was, you know, he was with the A's when they played the Blue Jays this year, and they had high hopes for his continued development to show a little power. That did not work out. He's back at AAA right now trying to refine his swing. So uh, as far as when the A's were in the rebuild, like in 15 and 16, you knew that Matt Olson was coming. You knew that Matt Chapman was coming, and they were bona fide stars. They were very close to the big leagues. In fact, you know, in the case of Olson, he had been up and down a few times already. The A's don't really have that player yet, or players for that matter. So they've got a long way to go. I mean, this is this is a, a, a pretty challenging time for the A's organization in terms of putting, you know, a winning product back on the field, which is something they're used to. Went to the playoffs 11 times since 2000. So it's something they're good at. They've rebuilt and they've been successful before. But this is a little bit of a different challenge. What's the latest on Frankie Montas? I know I, I believe that the MRI is is scheduled for today. Uh, you know, we talked talked about the job the A's have to do if that shoulder inflammation is serious that's clearly that's a major trade chip that will have uh a question mark over it and i i i don't know vince if that's the case if you're the a's do you i don't know do you, do you hang on to him the rest of the way I, um that well, that's a great was, that could be a complicating a thing couldn't it sure and it's a great question jeff i mean uh, he says it's it's nothing major his velocity was down four miles an hour yesterday it's one inning and I think he came out as a precaution. He said he couldn't get extension. He's got tightness in the back of his right shoulder. Uh, the MRI is either today. I don't know if it will happen on July 4th uh, or tomorrow for sure. Right. And we haven't, even, we haven't been told if he's going to miss a start or if he's going to miss two starts or any starts. So waiting that out. But he, he's arguably, you know, when he's healthy, and he's been. I mean, his last two starts, he's pumping 97 to 99. You know, nearly no hit the, the Mariners two starts ago and, and was dominant against the Yankees in New York his last time out before yesterday. He, to me, is the biggest trade chip out there. Uh, and the A's have got to get it right because whoever gets Frankie Motas, if he is healthy and makes a start or two to prove that he is coming out of the shoulder issue, uh, you get two years of playoff contention with Frankie, who has you know, grown into a you know, monster starting pitcher. Great kid, you know, the high-velocity two-seam and four-seam with you know, the, uh, a little bit of a cutter now going along with a slider and a split. So, I mean, the A's have got to find a way to make sure that whatever – they're looking for, you can identify almost any position for this club and say we can, we can improve in that area. They've got to get it right. They've got to get someone that's close to the big leagues or already in the big leagues as a young player and go from there when it comes to, to Frankie Motos. They've got to get, you know, three or four or four or five players and at least one or two of them have to be either in or very close to the big leagues, in my opinion. One of the names we've heard sort of loosely associated with the Blue Jays, and I'm sure it'll be associ- his name will be associated with a lot of teams because it seems like everybody who's contending is looking for bullpen help is Lou Trevino. Um, what, you know, it, I'm not going to ask you to play general manager here, Vince, but, but what is Lou Trevino? Could he help a contending team? And, and, and maybe what, what do you think the A's would be looking for if you were to, you know, to talk about a guy like that? Well, I mean, the challenge the A's had, Jeff, is that Luke, uh, another very inconsistent year. He began the season as the closer. He got COVID. And while he was out, Danny Jimenez uh, you know, came up, and he took the job for a kid that had two games of big league experience. And he got off to a great run. He saved his first 10 opportunities. And then it's been a, a little bit of a rough go since then. He's made some adjustments. He's got his, he has a sore shoulder right now, so he's on the I.L., Lou of, of 2018 in his rookie campaign, throwing 97 with a 94, 95-mile-an-hour cutter, was you know as good a mental relief setup guy as there was in baseball when the A's went to the play-in game against the Yankees. And he was a guy that was ahead of Blake Trinan, who was just unbelievable that season with an ERA like at one. That said, I mean, Lou has finally, after what seems like a, a, an endless uh, 
chase through a forest or to regain the cutter. It's been miss, missing for over two years. He's got it back here, you know, in June and going into July, but he, he's still inconsistent. I mean, there are times where he looks a little bit like the Lou Trevino of the past. The, we all look at different types of you know, statistics, and in Lou's case, his Babbitt balls in play is 500. So, I mean, that's an enormously ridiculous number, which points to either A, too much contact, and certainly B, an awful lot of bad luck because the major league average is 295. So uh, what teams think of of Lou or what the A's think they can get for Lou? I don't think the A's can get an an awful lot for Trevino unless suddenly he goes on a a great July run where he saves, you know, seven out of seven and and has, you know, a better look at, you know, what we've seen in the past. So his inconsistency is going to hurt the A's in terms of trade, but he's he's a veteran. He's got a good arm. He's just been, for me, he's just been too inconsistent right now to to feel like, well, this is – this is a guy that you definitely got to get. And I would imagine, and I don't know all the names, but I would imagine there are other bullpen arms out there that may have been, that, you know, that may be more consistent than what Lou has been so far this year. Well, uh, Vince, whenever you have a team that's, that's where the Oakland A's are at and they have some pieces that they want to trade off, what's Mark Kotze's, the manager's job in all this when, when coming closer to the trade deadline? Have you noticed how he manages? Is he di- managing differently or is it all systems go every single day? No, it's, I mean, given where the A's are with 26 wins and they've scored one run or less, like in 27 or 28 games, the challenge is simply to, is to play hard today mm-hmm. and try to win today's game. And the, the A's are, they're just, they don't have enough firepower. I mean, an example is when the A's play Toronto during uh, their series at the Rogers Center in, in April to where they are now, there are 11 players and pitchers that were on that team that are either on the IL, like Jed Lowry, or no longer with the club at AAA, uh, you know, in the A's organization. I mean, I don't think you could say that about, you know, the Toronto Blue Jays. You look at their lineup that they put, up there, put out there against the A's back in April. It's pretty close to the same mm-hmm. in, in July. And the A's can't, can't, make, that, can't make that boast. So uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a constant challenge of, of players coming and going. 48 players already have been used this year. And there's a lot of, you know, big league instruction going on or, or teaching at the major league level, which I know some clubs do, but it's really a different level for the A's for many guys that have you know, basically have never been up here or, or have not uh, consistently played. Now it does give opportunities for young players who have had, you know, mixtures of success. Luis Barrera came up. He got a chance. Didn't really succeed. Sent him back. Jonah Bride came up. He's played well, but he's hurt. Kid that's never basically played much above double A. He, there are opportunities out there for the A's to evaluate what they have, but in terms of seeing these guys and saying they are the, you know, they are the future or they are the nucleus, I don't think that's accurate. I think they are guys that are, are placeholders right now until they can find a way to put the club back together. And they've done this. You know, they acquired Mark Hanna through Rule 5. They traded for Ramon Laureano. And, and when the club is always in contention, they've always been aggressive. You know, they've traded Juan Cespedes. You know, they traded their number one pitching prospect last year, Jesus Luzardo for Starley Marte to try to get that one final run in July, August, and September just didn't work out. So, I mean, when, when they're good, they're in it, and they try to win it. When they're not, as they are right now, which is different than it's been in the past, it's kind of wait and see and, and let guys play and see if somebody potentially can stick. Vince, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much. Thanks, Vince. All right, guys. Be good well. talking to you. Vince Catronio is the Oakland A's broadcaster. <clears throat> and uh, 9.07 will be the first pitch tonight. Alec Manoa against Cole Irvin. Hey, you know what time it is. Mm-hmm. It's time for Barker's Backleg Bits. Mr. Gann, thank you very much for joining us. Be honest, you don't remember Kevin Barker as a player, do you? It's like 50 years ago we played. 
Good morning, guys. No, I drink too much. <laughs> huh? mm-hmm. There you go. Do what you have to. Absolutely. Uh, Barker's back Lake bits that part of the show where you get to submit questions to Kevin Barker. You can DM me. My Twitter handle is SN Jeff Blair. Not surprisingly, a lot of dissatisfaction out there. Uh, hmm. Junior 88771. Otherwise known as John in Toronto. Why haven't the Blue Jays developed hard throwers in the bullpen? Is their drafting, is it their drafting strategy, philosophy of focusing on potential starters, mostly mid-range, mid-range starters with many pitches? Why not try to draft hard throwers, two-pitch pitchers that are well suited for the bullpen? Uh, he says he would love to see the Jays get somebody like Kumar Rocker in the draft, somebody that could help the bullpen. It, it's uh I, I I don't know. It would be interesting to sit down with the general managers of teams like the Rays, the Yankees, and this year the Orioles, and just find out how they go about putting together a bullpen. And and is there a difference between, you know, do the Jays, do they focus more on spin than velocity? I, I, I don't know. Um, do some organizations do that? Do some organizations do, do they, does, is velocity the first thing they look for in a reliever? I just, I really like the idea of, of velocity late in a game because I just think I, I, especially the way video is now, I just don't think you can trick guys, Kevin. I don't either. I just don't the think more, you can the, trick guys. Especially the more times you show them that certain pitcher yeah. trickery is going to go away. You know, it's trick. It's, it's trickery when you haven't seen it before but the more you see it it's not as much and then velocity takes over and they can get away with missing with secondary pitches i think that's the whole point that's what contending teams it's what really good teams try and do from the sixth inning on they want as much velocity as possible and they can teach them how to spin some right it's you you got that i'm just interested in in, in a draft what's the first thing you look for athleticism I don't is it position players is it left-handed bats is it a starting pitcher? What order is that? See, That's, I, that would be the first question I would have to but ask. But I don't think. What's in the it, easiest to get? I don't think in this draft, like you can't look at organizational needs when you go into a draft because your organizational need today may not be the same. Changes year to year. Yeah. And the guy that you draft isn't likely going to come up and help you. I, I mean, my approach to the draft is always I get the best pitcher available. And if that, and of course, they're financial things. First, I take the best pitcher available, and if that doesn't work, I take the best athlete available. Like, I love teams I love teams that draft shortstops and then make them move. Velocity, positions. injuries, if they've already had an injury because of their velocity, you'll be, you know, you'd be a little bit more inclined to go after that certain guy. It's an interesting question. Patrick Rutledge wishes you a happy fourth. He uh, is also Wait asking if it's possible that we looked at last September's push. <clears throat> and overestimated this team, not taking into account the emotional impact that coming home had on their performance. I, Patrick, well, Kevin, I'll let you answer. I don't think we, I, I think we may have underestimated the impact playing in those minor league ballparks had on this team, on the offensive numbers. I'm beginning to think that. I, do, I, I think a little bit. I think offensively they just need a better hitter that's left-handed in the lineup would make the righties that much better. Uh, I, I I do believe that we didn't put a, a, a lot of thought into depth. I think that's the one that's showing you they can overcome it in minor league parts because they could outbot people, right? That's where it sh- you just hid the little weakness that they had, which was depth. 
mm-hmm. pitching-wise. Now, because everybody plays in big league parks and you're facing really good teams, you don't have any depth. Jeff Jackson in Kingston says the Jays. He thinks the Jays are stuck because the only strong pieces they have to trade for pitching in the minors will be Bo's replacement because they will not sign Bo long-term. They cannot afford both Laddie and Bo, and they need either Groshans or Arelvis to replace him once he's gone. Uh, he wants your your thoughts on that. I mean, that's part of what we've talked about. People I've talked to, Elvis is not a shortstop. He doesn't have a position. He's going to turn into a DH who chases a lot, sort of what they got now. They got a lot of those guys. Uh, for me, the replacement for Bo's not here. To be honest with you, he's not here yet. If they're going to re-sign one or the other, we have no idea how it's going to go. They win a World Series. It would make it easier for them to make that decision. I think you could look at the Espinal, the Teoscar Hernandez, the Kevin Biggio, plus a top prospect. I mm. think you got to. I think you got to come to the realization that a prospect's just a prospect. We haven't asked this. We've got a minute left here. I haven't asked you this before. Are you surprised? that one of Bo or Vladdy hasn't signed a long-term contract right now, you know, to take them through their arbitration years, maybe to take them through a year of free agency. I, no, Are you I surprised so. that at least one of them hasn't signed? I, I think Vladdy's making so much money off the field, it makes his decision on the field a little bit easier. That's what I do think. Fair enough. And I think he's going to cost a lot of money. Yeah. That's it for Blair and Barker today. We will be back tomorrow from 10 to noon Eastern. A reminder... It's a late one tonight, 9.07 on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 590. The fan is a Jays take on the Oakland A's. Have yourself a great rest of the day. And if you're in the States, happy 4th.